right, all right, all right. Day 127. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So today we're in the book of Proverbs, right? So um, remember, this is a modified chronological, right? So Proverbs comes in the time period of Solomon. So Proverbs is a book of various sayings, instructions, and Proverbs, right? That hold an invitation to live a wise life, right? And this wise life that God offers us in the book of Proverbs results in blessing, happiness, and well-being, right? Wise lives are well-lived lives, right? And I love the book of Proverbs because, um, you know, it's poetry, it's wisdom literature, kind of like um, some of the previous books uh, that we've talked about. But um, it also has this like multinational character. And here's what I mean. It can it can be found <clears throat> in so many places, right? Anywhere you go, wisdom can be found, right? In other words, we can learn wisdom, not just from theology, but geology, psychology, politics, the arts, culture, right? This is the the multinational character of wisdom and i think christians can do a much better job at engaging these other disciplines and arenas of life to unearth wisdom solomon as he writes this will make observations that others have made but also he will pull from various sectors of life right many have said like he was the first geologist right like he was the first one who understood that wisdom was found in God's created world, not just in his word. And I love it because, you know, um, if wisdom was a person, it would be a heavy, it would have a heavily tattooed passport, right? His passport would look like Birdman. If you know who Birdman is, um, I mean, the basketball player Birdman, his name is Chris Anderson. And if you don't Google him, right, this is how, uh, 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 the passport of Proverbs would look, right? It would be tattooed because he's been everywhere. Wisdom is everywhere. And wisdom, man, accords, listen, it goes in line with the grand scheme of the universe, right? There's an order and a structure that goes with how God made the world and how we are to live in it. And only a fool, in this case, will cut against the grain. It's been said that, um, if you want to go against the grain of the universe, don't be surprised when you get splinters. Right. And the whole point is, like I just said, like God has made the world in such a way <laughs> to work in a specific way. Right. That we end up like living wisely if we go in the way God has made the world. And so, in other words, if I go stand in the middle of the highway and try to run right in the opposite direction of traffic there will be no more of me right like there is a way this world works and wisdom is living in light of that however it's not just that though right i want to be clear proverbs hear this the book of proverbs is undergirded by this concept right and this concept 
is not in the other wisdom literature of the ancient Near East. So in the ancient Near East, there were a tons of, you know, proverbs like literature, proverbs like sayings and other wisdom genres that people use to live wise life in which you like wise lives. And what you'll find is that many of them are very similar to the book of Proverbs, <laughs> right? Because people who look at the, the, the natural world can see, oh, it makes sense to work hard, right? That will lead to good results, right? Things like that. Now, the thing that is unique about Proverbs is this, this concept called the fear of the Lord, right? That all of the Proverbs that you'll see in this book are undergirded by something called the fear of the Lord. This is the greatest virtue that is set forth in Proverbs, and it is the pathway through which we enter and remain in God's wisdom. And in the fear of the Lord, is best understood as this awe for Yahweh, this awe and this um, awareness of his holiness, his otherness, this reverence for God and who he is as God and who we are as his people and the obligation that it comes to serve this God. So wisdom is what the book of Proverbs is about. And it's defined um, as skillful living skillful living all right so that's kind of my overview of proverbs um if you're reading the book i think you should come back to that and one of the other things i will say oh yeah proverbs one through nine proverbs one through nine are going to be these extended discourses on on wisdom so you'll have um um, um wisdom being personified and talked about in uh cohesive language um all throughout one through nine but and you get through 10 to the rest of the book you'll see that the proverbs are kind of scattered uh, seemingly randomly, but there is some structure and we'll talk about that later, but uh, more randomly. But one through nine are these extended long discourses that can be read together and the entire book should be read through the lenses of chapters one through nine. Right. All right. So that's just for free, free game. All right. So right off the back, chapters one, uh, chapter one, one through seven is the preamble, preamble one, one through seven for um, for learning. So he tells us what the, what this book is, what this book, uh, the book of Proverbs was for, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding spiritual saying, right? Uh, sp uh, understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction and righteousness, justice and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person hear this, listen and increase learning and let a discerning person obtain guidance, right? So he goes over and over and over again. Then in verse seven, the fear of the Lord haha, is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. What is he saying? Time doesn't permit us to talk about each and everything here but we do see that there is no place where wisdom doesn't intersect from our cognition to our reasoning to our emotional intelligence <laughs> to our character and morals and values all of those things um in the word in, in verse two for discipline i love it is the same in verse three for instruction right it basically has to do with education edification and correction and the paradigm verse again is verse seven right that in all real and true wisdom comes from and is filtered through the fear of the lord notice that the verse though says that it is the beginning of knowledge, right? This is the prerequisite for all learning and understanding. The fear of God is foundational, in other words, for understanding the world and how God has made it and how to live wisely in that world. And so our quest for such should begin in and be filtered through in awe and reverence and humility before the God of the universe. Now, the first chapter one of the things we see is this son language, right? So we have a son being told to listen to his mother and his father, right? Basic, right? Uh, principles here. Then he tells him um, about the enticement of sinners. This is chapter one and the wrong crowd, right? In other words, peer pressure, <laughs> right? This is this is uh, a biblical peer pressure he's talking about. And the point being here for in chapter one is that greed, hear this, and unjust gain are two ingredients that more than likely will taste good together 
but are a recipe for death and disaster. Right. That's what he's getting at in chapter one. And the reason we see this familial language was because the social context of, of, of ancient Israel, right, where the wisdom tradition was likely the home. Right. The paradigm for parents teaching and exemplifying wisdom to the children uh, in the context of the family formed a religious structure. We think about the covenants and the, the, the relationship that God established with his people. It was always through the family. Right. The promise to Abraham was not just for Abraham, but was for his seed. Right. So we will see this son language a lot. And you see this uh, all throughout the old testament right deuteronomy joshua right? everywhere uh, all through the pentateuch all through the bible is talking about the family and how they were to pass the covenant remember onto their children so the same thing is true here for the wisdom as well now um furthermore by the end of the chapter wisdom is going to cry out <laughs> it's personified as lady wisdom and you'll see this throughout the book and basically wisdom is making this offer that is always in our favor right it can either be accepted or rejected and so what you see in chapter two and what i love here is and this especially needs to be uh heard today wisdom is to be accepted yes but is also to be rigorously sought after right this is why i read so much side note this is this is why like <laughs> i love to read because um, I think the Lord has impressed on my heart that no, no, no. Wisdom is something we diligently strive and go after even more than riches. Look what he says. He says, listening closely to wisdom and directing our heart, your heart, your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver, talking about wisdom and understanding and search for it like hidden treasure. Think about it. Like, think about how hard we go for money, right? Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Did you hear what he just said? We are to chase after after wisdom like we do the bag, <laughs> like we do the bag, right? We are to go after wisdom like we do wealth, right? Could it be that so many people have gotten rich, right? Right? Gotten rich, gotten all the things they wanted, have and then have become poor because they didn't keep the same energy when it came to going after wisdom that they had for wealth wealth also he talks about the fear of the lord those things remember fear of the lord undergirds all of this and actually um i will say this too the fear of the lord actually bookends chapters one and chapter nine right so the beginning of chapter one you have fear of the lord verse seven uh one seven but then in nine ten you have the fear of the lord as well being brought up there um and so verse six comes and says that chasing after wisdom is never a vain pursuit you know why because in chasing after it, it's not just that you may find it, but even better that God is going to give it. God wants us to be wise. That's the beauty. That's the beauty about this thing, man. Like, like there's so many things that, um, yeah, like that God, that, that we go after that God has not necessarily called us to go after, which are not bad. But this is a thing that God has, that, that, that God has called us to go after and he's promised to give to us. Right. I love it. Um. Yeah. So he says, um, we, we, in, in other words, too, he, he goes here as well in, um, in, in chapter two and talks about how, you know, storing up wisdom, uh, keeping God's commands. He shields the integral and the upright um, and wisdom, as we will see later, uh, deals, delivers uh, from deception, from being flattered and butted up into unfaithfulness and even keeps us on the path God has laid out for his people. Chapter three opens. Chapter three opens back up with the sun language. And here we have many famous and popular proverbs that are usually isolated apart from context. Now, remember, a lot of the proverbs tend to the end of the book, mostly, um, or tend to like 29, I think, um, are kind of like uh, 
isolated, uh, assorted, random. But here, chapter three, you see the, the, the context and the progression of the text where wisdom is calling out. And these proverbs that we love to take out of context are actually in a context. So look what he says. He says, my son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands for they will bring you many days, mm, a full life and well being. Right. Remember, wisdom has rewards. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, this is where he is showing once again how wisdom intersects with godliness right so in verse three so the loyalty and faithfulness that he talks about is literally the the the, the hebrew concept of chesed and uh uh emeth, right so it's um uh god's faithful love um it, it's usually translated in, in um loyalty or truth uh it's actually an echo of exodus 34 where moses is up on a mountain after the people have sinned with the golden calf and the lord reveals himself he reveals his uh his goodness to moses and moses falls down to worship one of my favorite passages in the bible uh, exodus 34 verse 67 is the most quoted passage in the old testament right so very important so he's calling us to take one of these characters that god actually has in himself <laughs> it's really cool and so um what's interesting too oh another uh, thing I, I just realized that um after that Moses writes the law on the tablets, but here he says, right, um, this, this, this love and this faithfulness on the tablet of our hearts, right? So you just see how this is supposed to be in us, right? So the same thing that God extended to us in saving us and in making a covenantal relationship with us, his loyal love and kindness, that is the same thing that, um, God wants his people to extend outwardly to the world. And, um, yeah, so, so, so we see this, um, verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. Why? And all your um, ways know him and he will make your paths straight. Now, I love this language, too, because this reliance language um, means dependence. Right. Literally leaning. The imagery is perfect because no one can literally stand up and lean on themselves. Right. And don't try it. Right. <laughs> because you'll fall. You'll fall. Right. It is impossible. You fall over and make a fool of yourself if you try it. Um, you be the fool of Proverbs, right? This is exactly what the psalmist is getting at here, right? If you really think that you understand something better or in a different way than God does, the Proverbs, the author of Proverbs is calling you to trust what he says over what you think, right? He's calling to you to trust what God says over what you think. God deals in the realm of certainty. <laughs> God deals in the realm of certainty, fam, right? As the old heads in my family used to say, you know, I ain't gonna tell you nothing wrong. Like God ain't gonna tell us nothing wrong, right? How much more if the old heads in our family <laughs> usually they was always they was usually right, man. I ain't gonna lie. You know, um, but if if they didn't tell us nothing wrong, how much more the Lord? Right? How much more the Lord? Don't lean on your own understandings. Many of us, so much, lean on our own understanding. And it is a fool's game. Now, midway through chapter four, we get introduced to the two paths of life. And this is one of the um um uh permeating features of proverbs as well fam like he is going to talk about these two paths right the way to wise and the way to fool right and and for him for the author of proverbs he sees life uh as a a, a two-lane highway that is going in opposite, opposite directions leading to two different destinations right so you think about a two-lane highway there are only two ways to go there's no <laughs> there's no uh third alternative route like they're either you know one way or the other way and um that's how the the author of proverbs sees the world right everyone is running in and everyone is running in a lane now you can you can switch lanes you know, the metaphor may break down a bit here, but you can switch lanes. You can be on the, the path of a fool sometimes, sometimes on the path of the wise, but there are only two lanes. Right. And um, look what he says. I'm teaching you the way of wisdom. <laughs> I'm guiding you on straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Don't let go. Guard it for it is your life. And then conversely, he mentions uh, 14. Keep off the path of the wicked. <laughs> Don't proceed on the way of evil ones. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Uh, turn away from it and pass by it. Pass it by. Let it go, fam. For they can't sleep. I love this. Unless they have done what is evil. They are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. In other words, what Solomon is trying to get us uh, to see here is that the way of the wicked and the fool 
um, is that they can't even sleep <laughs> unless they do this, right? In other words, it's their craving. Uh, their craving for it is insatiable, right? The way of the fool uh, intertwined with, you know, immorality, darkness, crookedness, wickedness is what he's getting at. But what it does is it creates this insatiable desire, fam, and hunger uh, with which uh, is evil and wayward to the point where it leaves you restless, right? You literally up at night thinking about how you can get over on someone. And in other words, it becomes its own drug, right? It becomes a drug in and of itself. It becomes addicting, enslaving, and leaving you empty and yet wanting more and more and more. It's an itch that no matter how much you scratch it, it will still itch, right? It's not the way God intended us to live, right? He's just trying to warn us and guard us and shepherd us and care for us in this way. And I know I'm going long, but so good. And um, yeah, God wants us to have uh, the freedom. I love at the end, um, in chapter four, where he talks about, uh, you know, the guarding of the heart. So he's going to say, um, in, in four twenty three, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. You know, every language and culture in the world uses body parts to explain something deeper, right? For example, the, you know, the ancient Greeks, they thought that um, the idea of compassion was found in the liver, right? So they talked about the liver a ton when they wanted to uh, talk about compassion. Today, we think of the heart as an organ, right? Which it is, right? And we know that modern science, all that kind of stuff. Um, or we think of it simply as this immaterial container of our emotions, right? But in the um, uh, Israelite, uh, Hebraic, and even into the Christian worldview, excuse me, um, the heart was not that, right? It is, it was, it was lev in Hebrew and cardia in Greek, and and included the 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 true inner and outer person, your selfhood, your thinking and feeling, all of that intertwined. It is the true you, the seat of the mind, will, and motives and emotions, the whole human personality, right? And um, who you are at the core level, this ought to be guarded because all that you are and all that you do flow from it. And so God's way of wisdom for us isn't just meant to be theorized. The point here is that it is meant to be memorized and internalized, right? He wants us to get wisdom into the core of our being, into our hearts so that we can live wise lives for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we ask for um, your provision. Uh, I pray, Lord, that we would uh, be uh, helped uh, to guard our hearts uh, because the source of all life flows from it. Uh, help us to live wise lives for your glory and not run the way of the fool and the wicked that leads to ruin.